In today's gospel story, it is easy to get caught up in all the characters. There are a lot of people talking. The disciples, the crowd, the scribe, there's a demon, and Jesus. But if you're not distracted by the characters, perhaps you find yourself getting caught up in the overall feeling of awe experienced by the crowd over these divine displays of authority. As I wrestle with this scripture in preparation for this sermon, the crowds and the disciple almost sound to me like women smooth, swooning over a rock star. Ooh, what authority! Oh my! God is powerful. But if we allow ourselves to become distracted by awe and the struggle of dominance between good and evil, we might just miss the heart of what is going on here. There is still one more person, one more character in this story. Someone who is easily overlooked and forgotten. The nameless, afflicted man who is suffering with the demonic possession. In the gospel, we hear the demon speak, but the man himself is never given a voice. And so even as he stands at the center of it all, he is easy to disregard, to forget. The scribes and the disciples don't pay attention to him. They focus on their awe-filled experience of divine authority. Mark, the writer of the gospel, doesn't even bother to give this man a name. It is quite understandable how he can be completely disregarded, written off. But there is one who notices him. There is one in this story who cares about his well-being. Jesus. God. Jesus sees this unnamed man. He looks in, into his eyes and sees their expression. He reads his face and watches as pain falls across it. Jesus sees the man, all of him, including his illness. Within the community at that time, an unclean spirit or demon would have marked this man as amoral, which would have made him an outcast literally placed him out on the margins of the society, which made him so easy to literally be overlooked, so easy to just walk past. The isolation that comes with being marginalized is extreme and inhumane. People see you with their eyes, but not with their heart. 
So it is no wonder that the other people in the gospel story don't pay any attention to this man. He has become less of a human to them and more of an object or an illness to be avoided. But Jesus sees him. He sees the person who has been occluded by demonic possession, and he seeks justice, freedom, release for him. He may be unnamed by society, shunned and cast aside anonymous, and still he is beloved by God. And so Jesus speaks. He gives voice, offering healing words, words that transform. And the man is freed from the domination of evil, and he is restored to who he was created to be. Jeffrey reminded me after the last service that when Mark employs an unnamed person, they represent every man, each and every one of us, and so we should pay attention. None of us are exempt from struggling with our own demons. We each have our own stuff that enslaves us, that we battle with stuff that prevents us from being completely free to love God and only God, stuff that weighs heavy on us and prevents us from growing fully into the people we were created by God to be. Sometimes those demons can loom large and completely overshadow us as we struggle with depression or anxiety or shame. Maybe those large demons loom because you've recently lost a job or have decided to end a marriage or are struggling or drowning financially, facing losing your house. And so we know what it is to feel isolated ostracized, pushed to the outside. We know what it is to be this afflicted man. And so in the story today, we must remember that we are not forgotten. We are beloved. Even when it feels like the whole world has forgotten us, God knows us and cherishes us. And so we keep our eyes open for God to come near. Discipleship, following Jesus, challenges us to see this very same world, our world, but with new eyes. Eyes of compassion. Eyes that seek opportunities for justice eyes that know to look for glimpses of the kingdom of God drawing near. Everyone else missed this man. They remained blind to the possibility for transformation within him. Jesus saw him. 
He saw suffering, but he also saw within him love and redemption and justice. Today, we are again reminded that none of God's creatures are expendable. We are each and every one of us of infinite value, filled with endless possibility. Put simply, we are beloved. God cares for the voiceless, nameless, the folks on the margins. God values and loves the poor in spirit just as he values and loves you and me. Last week we heard the call of the disciples and now the very first thing he does with these new fledgling disciples is teach them a new way of being in the world, a different way of seeing countercultural way of responding to the world around them. This way of being in the world not only requires seeing the person who is overlooked by everyone else, but then also responding to seeing them with a sense of justice. It's not just a matter of seeing, but it goes deeper. It requires a just engagement and response. So this word authority that I was mocking the crowds and the scribes for using to describe Jesus, it's not the same as power. It can be tempting to equate the two, but in the Greek, power is actually a different word. The word authority here in this part of the gospel is better described as a right or a willingness to see justice served. So Jesus sees the sick man, sees the devastating effects of the illness on his well-being, and he sees a just need for healing. And so he responds with love, performing a miracle. And life within the man is restored, renewed, transformed. When I was 21, just out of college, I worked at a school for severely emotionally disturbed children. There were 12 kids in my elementary school classroom, and they each struggled with incredibly challenging home lives. At the very young ages of eight, nine, and ten years old, they each already had many burdens weighing them down. Soedos was a little girl who particularly captured my heart. She had a sparkle in her eye most of the time. She loved to tickle people and, and hear them laugh. She was silly. And she loved to laugh herself. She was eager to grow and to learn. But when Suedos was overcome with difficult emotions, anger or frustration or anxiety, she would transform into this chaotic, physical, flailing, disruptive, 
at times violent little being. And so that's how people saw her. The teachers in the school, her therapist, her mom. They saw her struggling academically because she struggled so much with her emotions. But something struck me partway through the year as I worked more and more with Suedos. I realized that some of her physical acting out came out of her frustration, a frustration that I guessed was due to a learning disability. She told me one time, Elizabeth, sometimes I see the letters turned around and backwards. I suspected she was dyslexic. And so I said something to her teacher about it, but she said, no, no, that's just Suedos. But that just didn't quite sit right with me. So at the bold age of 21, I went on to the therapist and to the administrator and to anyone who would listen, and I advocated for Suedos to be tested. And finally they gave in, and she was. And lo and behold, she did have a learning disability. And then she was eligible to receive one-on-one -on -one care and tutoring that engaged her in a new way to help her to learn. And the first time that she came back into the classroom following her tutoring session, she was beaming, so proud of herself. She got it. That burden had been lifted, and what's more, she knew that she was not alone. And for a moment, she was dancing into the fullness of who God created that precious little girl to be. It does not take much for us to give voice to the voiceless, to advocate for the powerless and marginalized, and to journey together toward a new vision for our world. But we must both see and seek justice so that we might all grow into the fullness of the people of God we were created to be. Open your eyes and see with your heart.